Chapter Eight of Bill Bolton and Hidden Danger by Noel Sainsbury. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Eight: The Man with the Nervous Affliction. Bill came to the surface a few yards from the motorboat. Three or four quick strokes brought him to the side, where, with the help of an extended hand, he clambered aboard to face the stranger. Getting back his wind, Bill took stock of the man. His first impression had been of his slight build, but on closer scrutiny Bill saw that he was well-knit, with very broad shoulders. He had a rather sallow, clean-shaven face, with unexpectedly large and very bright dark eyes. These eyes never left Bill for a second as he opened the throttle and sent the boat skimming round the end of the island. That was a very nice dive. The man spoke abruptly, with a quick nod, as if to emphasize the point. Fond of swimming, aren't you? Though not as keen on it as you were this morning, eh? He grinned at what he considered a good joke, and nodded his head emphatically. Bill began to realize that this continual nodding must be a form of nervousness, and that probably the man himself was unconscious of it. Thanks for the lift, Mr. Um, Sanders, he said. That's right sanders is the name the man at the wheel jerked out the young lady recognized me it seems needn't have been so dramatic about it though i kind of guessed you'd have enough of pig island by this time what made you think so well mr sanders nodded there's no reason to keep the thing a secret i moseyed over to the island a few hours ago tied up down to other end from the houses happened to overhear deborah talking to old jim caught on to the fact that they'd taken you for slim johnson and that they meant to keep you with them a while and they didn't know you were spying the more bill saw of his smiling nodding rescuer the less he liked him oh it ain't likely i'd let him catch sight of me i don't know about the girl but old jim hancock is one of those fellers who never misses with a rifle so you i take it mr sanders are working for the other side in this mysterious business i am the other side mr midshipman bolton what made you think i'd want to chum up with evans secretary evans secretary bill repeated in amazement you mean that girl deborah is his secretary surest thing you know young man evans owns pig island didn't he tell you that mr sanders laughed sardonically and nodded until bill thought he would burst a blood vessel he hoped he would and so said bill light dawning at last you decided it would be swell to have me throw myself into your arms as it were and before those people on the island and i woke up to the fact that we were on the same side of the fence in this mix-up mentally he cursed himself for his impulsiveness who'd have thought you'd tumble so fast sneered sanders then as bill made a threatening move toward him an automatic whipped into sight from beneath sanders armpit oh no you don't sonny he barked it won't pay you to get nasty with me sit down it's time you learned a few things you young whelp there's no doubt about that bill agreed bitterly looking into the blue-black muzzle some four feet away he bent backward as though to sit down on the thwart, 
when without warning his right leg shot out and he planted a smashing blow with his bare foot upon the underside of sanders wrist the automatic flew harmlessly overside while the astounded man found himself seized by his tingling wrist his arm was jerked forward with a suddenness that almost wrenched it from the socket while bill's other arm wrapped tightly about the semi-paralyzed member there came another wrench and dizzying pain and he went head first out of the boat after his revolver when he rose to the surface his craft was already some yards away as i said before bill called to him there's no doubt about it you should learn savat the french method of foot-boxing you know that armhold i learned among others from a jiu-jitsu professor a jap it pays to have international tastes incidentally i don't think the current is bad about here you're only about sixty yards from shore cheerio as they say in merry england a pleasant swim mr sanders sanders said nothing he felt too sick even to swear his right arm pained him so that he turned on his back and headed for shore using his left and both legs as a means to propel his aching body bill widened his throttle and sped up the motorboat keeping the shore line on his left a mile farther on he came to the mouth of the cove where he had bathed with charlie that morning he shut off the engine and took a survey of his surroundings the gentle breeze had gone with the morning not a branch moved not a leaf stirred on the trees above the rocks bill guessed it must be close to seven in the evening for the sun was barely discernible above the woods and long shadows lay upon the quiet water next he made a thorough inspection of the boat which brought to light two interesting items in a locker forward he came upon the clothes he had left on the beach that morning bill was delighted for this find provided him with two things he needed badly shoes and a watch beneath the clothes was a light overcoat of covert cloth apparently the property of sanders he pulled it out and was about to put it back again when a thought struck him a closer inspection of the coat brought forth first a pair of pigskin gloves then from the inside pocket bill extracted three envelopes all three of these missives bore the stamford connecticut postmark and all three were addressed to zenas sanders general delivery clayton maine without the slightest hesitation bill took the papers from the slit envelopes two proved to be bills one for repairs on a car the other from a tailor for three suits of clothes the third letter however was headed green's hotel stamford connecticut and bore the date of three days earlier it ran dear sanders just a line to say i have engaged the experts as directed got them in the big city and they sure do ask a big price but that is your business now you have located the exact position it either means taking the evans bunch for a ride or making a snappy job of it personally i don't think it can be done in one night don't write any more both mails and telegraph are too risky that gink evans is wide awake he's watching this end too and you know he's intercepted two messages already i know what to do but if you must send your fool instructions send them by word of mouth or better still fly down here and go up with us then we could run in nights and stand out to sea daytimes 
and you would be on board to direct operations that would stop evans having you followed up there when you join us as you must eventually also if we don't write any more there'll be no chance of his being able to get documentary evidence if you send a man let him say zenas and not like you then i'll know he's okay yours slim bill read this over three times the writer he guessed must be harold johnson the fellow he had been taken for on the island he recalled distinctly that sanders had referred to him as slim who or what the experts were he had hired was beyond bill on the other hand it was obvious that slim feared mr evans the scheme as he saw it was that johnson and his men intended coming by boat to maine where sanders had been successful in locating something they wanted and having arrived in maine waters the boat would put her crew of gangsters ashore at night and stand off the coast daytimes that robbery of some sort was their objective bill had not the slightest doubt but what they intended to steal or where it was located slim had not said perhaps it was something concealed at turner's hidden in a safe possibly and the experts had been hired to get it still if mr evans was hiding something in a safe at turner's what prevented him from moving it to the strong-room of some metropolitan bank where it would be beyond reach of both sanders and johnson bill discarded the idea of the safe then and there the best he could do was to get in touch with mr evans or his men just as soon as possible he slipped the letter back into the overcoat pocket and folding the coat replaced it in the locker he did not want sanders to guess that he had read that letter then he thought over a plan of procedure if he took the motorboat to pig island he must take the coat with him and sanders suspicions would be aroused if on the other hand he beached the craft and made for turner's sanders who was very likely now footing it for the cove might think that in his hurry bill had overlooked slim's letter also he would be more likely to find mr evans at turner's and then there was charlie to be considered if the boy had reached the house and his father had not turned up he would be forced to stay in that gloomy place himself overnight a prospect that not even bill relished as he reached these conclusions bill sent the motorboat skimming into the cove and beached her then slipping into his socks and shoes he picked up the remainder of his clothes it took him but a moment to cross the sand and climb the rocks soon he was jogging along the lane at a smart trot he neither met nor saw a single soul at last he gained the back door by way of the overgrown shrubbery he found the key under the mat where they had left it after breakfast bill inserted it in the lock and walked into the back entry instead of calling charlie he walked into the big kitchen and looked about everything seemed exactly as they had left it after washing up that morning well it's a cinch the kid never got back here he said to himself he'd have spent most of the day in here consuming provisions and there's not a thing been touched i'd better make sure though and if i can scare up a gun of sorts all to the good his inspection of the entire house including the cellar proved his surmise to be well founded he was alone in the place charlie he figured had either trudged into clayton to get in touch with ezra parker or he had been captured by sanders and his men 
and then it occurred to bill that it would be well for him to see parker himself to-night so he went down the tunnel to the garage and switched on the lights it was dark by the time he got back to the library he went the rounds of the ground floor again turning on electrics as he went if bill was to be caught by anybody around the spooky house it would not be unawares if he could help it he got himself some supper and ate it in the kitchen but somehow after going to the trouble of preparing food he had little appetite the possibility that the house might have another hidden entrance of which he knew nothing made him feel nervous and jumpy especially since he had not found anything remotely resembling a firearm of any sort after he had washed his plate and cup at the kitchen sink he went back to the library and pulling down a book at random from the shelves went out of the room to the hall he had decided to wait until eleven and then make tracks through the woods to twin heads harbor ezra parker was due to fly over the house at midnight and the lighted garage would be sure to send him to the harbor directly afterward bill planned to spend the intervening time in the comfortable alcove which formed a little lounge below the staircase in the hall here he could at once be aware of the slightest movement from any part of the house and with the curtains drawn he was shut off like a monk in his cell but instead of settling down to his book he grew restless twice he got up and examined the shutters on that floor to make sure they were barred each time he went back to his curtained retreat ashamed of himself this house was giving him the creeps for some reason he could not tell why his nerves were on edge as ten o'clock chimed faintly from the mantel timepiece he thought he heard footsteps he started up reviling himself for his folly the house was old and it was only the stairs above him that creaked softly with calm deliberation he brushed past the curtain into the hall determined to pull himself together standing at the foot of the staircase a hand on the great oak balustrade he could hear the quiet patter of a mouse behind the panelling the tick of the little clock in the alcove and the hiss and sigh of the wind without were all that broke the silence of the night no human being save himself seemed to be stirring for miles around slowly in stocking feet he walked down the kitchen passage paused and slowly returned then he mounted the stairs all was quiet above an impulse took him up the narrow stairway to the third story where he looked out a window at the end of the corridor the night was dark and only a grayish glimmer marked the sea the island was invisible up there with the still house below him he felt like an onlooker in some mysterious play where life and death were casual matters and any means were fair if they led to triumph but there was nothing to be gained by pursuing such thoughts and far from being an onlooker bill was very much in the thick of it all he descended made another tour of the ground floor and returned to the alcove feeling distinctly more cheerful he ate a couple of cookies took up his book and began to read perhaps five minutes later he heard a gentle tap it was not imagination this time of that he was quite certain bill was perfectly calm he had got over his bout of restlessness that had kept him on the jump the only disturbing point about the sound was whether it came from within or without the house a leaf blowing against a window 
that might have caused it the creak of an old beam would have made the same sound he waited in silence and kept a tight grip on himself no more strung-up nerves whether this was a false alarm or not perhaps a minute later he heard the click again with an exclamation of annoyance bill got to his feet brushed aside the curtain and peered into the hall he found himself face to face with mr zenas sanders End of chapter eight